Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world, with the MD, Dr. DJ Verrett. Thank you again for joining us for Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world. I'm Dr. DJ Verrett. Today we are joined by Jim Patterson of Agape Insurance, a member of the Coverica Network. Jim is going to talk to us about all those types of insurance that you never knew you needed, but you absolutely do. We'll be right back with Jim after this quick break. Here's today's STEM tip. Don't throw out that old plastic bottle. Repurpose it by turning it into an awesome terrarium. Just fill it with sand, pebbles, soil, and your favorite plant. It'll grow sealed right in its own ecosystem. Learn more at She Can STEM. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back to Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world. I'm Dr. DJ Verrett, and joining me today is Jim Patterson with Coverica. We're going to talk to Jim about all of those insurance policies that you never knew you needed, but you actually do. Jim, thanks for joining us. You betcha. You betcha, doctor. In preparing for this segment, I went through my list of coverages, as well as thinking about some others that our listeners might be interested in. So maybe you can start it off and talk about uh, employment practices insurance for us. So first off, and I have our list of coverages to touch on that the 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 that we look at and that we've talked about before as the biggest the biggest or most formidable risks that a, that a physician's office may face. Um, and plumber practices liability is is in the top three. Um, actually, I'm, uh, it's it, it is something that has is with the hashtag Me Too with everything going on with COVID with everything going on with with they just i want to say they changed title title seven to include uh lgbt so there is as far as the the risks a doctor may face on on this particular line of 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 liability it's it's up there and and we get we get about one of these every every other week um we had one recently where a patient came into a doctor to, or a, an employee came into a doctor's office, um, like hammered. He was four times at noon. He was four times legal, the legal limit. I can't even imagine what he was when he came in the office, but he was still practicing, still doing what he was doing. So uh, the, the the doctor called. How, what do I need to do to get rid of him? Um, one of the things was we we made sure that and confirmed that that she had employment practice liability in place. Uh, what, what it, what, what, in a nutshell, what it covers is it's going to provide defense costs and it's going to pay judgments or settlements uh, for sexual harassment, wrongful termination, um, a hostile work environment, um, and then all, all the title, the, the Title Seven, and I believe that's, I'm, I'm saying that I'm, I'm hitting the number correctly on that, uh, but the federal um, discrimination um, um, lawsuits or the federal discrimination protection for employees that that is that is currently in place so it's it's extremely broad it's not too terribly expensive um, you can buy it on a standalone basis or you can buy it in conjunction with directors and officers liability insurance um, but it is it is in my opinion more you have a bigger risk as a physician of getting a a a, a six plus figure judgment against you on employment practice liability more so than, than medical malpractice in today's environment. Well, and you, and you touched on something there, directors and officers insurance. So kind of where this, this whole discussion came from, I looked at the, all of the different insurance varieties and coverages that I had, 
and that's that's one of them was employment practices. Uh, can you also touch on directors and officers insurance? What is that, and in which physicians should be looking at potentially getting directors and officers coverage? Well, directors and officers coverage it, it's it's much like your medical malpractice is your medical professional liability in, in, in insurance. The directors and officers is a business professional liability insurance for, 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 for an easy way to put it, where it's, it's to protect the, the, the decisions a business or a board of directors would make in the, the course of doing business. Um, it is, uh, the coverage is structured to where there is, they can't, you can't go after board members. I apologize about my, my dinging. I don't know if I can get away with, get, stop it from when uh, emails come on. Um, anyway, the um, the crux of the coverage it's going to provide protection for for owners and or board members um, for decisions they may make. Um, I, and I'm usually when we're looking at DNO insurance, if a practice has outside investors um, where you you are bringing folks in purely to invest uh, and they are not a, a an owner because what ends up happening is if you own more than ten percent of a business. Um, you're not, there's not going to be any coverage if there's a suit against another board member. So board member suits against board member suits are not going to be covered, but suits that are brought against the board by an investor, if the, the investment is bad, if the investment goes south, if there's anything nefarious going on with, it, with how the structure of the company is, that's, that's where the DNO insurance comes into play. And, and so it sounds like individual physician practices, it pro- directors and officers probably doesn't, uh, doesn't apply to, it would be probably larger groups or when you talk about outside investments like a, a building that the, that, the, uh, that the practice may be investing, it sounds like that's a little bit more topical for the DNO insurance, is that accurate? It is, it is. If it, and, and, but I have had individual physicians that are, uh, that are um, uh, very business oriented that 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 have that that may have their hand in in, in quite a few things. Um, it, it's 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 more you look at how how the how the liability is going to come at you. So if you have outside investors, absolutely definitely want to have DNO insurance. Uh, and one of one of the other one of the other instances for DNO, I think uh, physicians. A lot of our physicians may be on. Uh, boards of directors for volunteer organizations or nonprofits. Um, DNO insurance is pretty important for those folks in for the entities that they're on the boards of. Is that correct as well? No, absolutely. And, and one of the services that we do provide for our for our clients is we will go in and, and review and assess the insurance that of any nonprofit or any company that may be asking our clients to serve either as a board member or medical director. Um, the directors and officers liability coverage, uh, it, it's, it can extend to outside board members and it can extend to, to medical directors, um, but it's only for their, their duties as um, their, their, their duties for setting policy and procedure as a medical director. It does not cover any, any, any of the professional exposures that may be there as a medical director. Well, and let's talk, uh, you know, one of the other big areas, obviously, is HIPAA and online presence. Um, what kind of insurance coverages are available to protect in those realms? 
Well, there, there's actually a lot. Um, this is probably this is the fastest growing area of risk that we see. Uh, this is also um, just about every carrier out there has a cyber liability insurance policy, but you got to be careful because you've seen one, you've seen one. Uh, it's very easy because of the way the policy is structured. You can you can make it look like it's a it's an absolute pristine policy. Uh, they we I've seen I've consulted on 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 claims and on coverage where the policy looked great up to the point that it excluded intentional acts by employees which they would consider a, a phishing campaign where the employee opens up the email that causes the, the, the system to be locked up. Carriers would consider that an intentional act by the employee. So we, we you gotta be really careful and you gotta review the coverage uh, pretty extensively um, as it would relate to not only to the cyber liability, but also to healthcare. Um, every malpractice policy includes a little bit, and I would, I would caution every physician out there that the limit you get from the carrier does not even come close to, to being what you would need for any type of a significant breach. And when I say significant breach, I mean over maybe 20, 20 to 30 breached, um, uh, breached patients or, or breached PHI. Um, I, I would, the, there's, a, there's a buy-up you can get uh, absolutely from every carrier, malpractice carrier, and I would encourage every physician to, to to implement not only that coverage, but also to make sure you have what you need in place from, from the compliance standpoint, HIPAA privacy and HIPAA security. Um, we, have, we have brought in the Office of Civil Rights to speak on many occasions, and they do not mess around. It is, and it's even more so today uh, than any time in the future. Um, so it's, it's, it is, I would put cyber liability, and if you're looking at, it at, at the top five risks a physician has, I would put, Cyber liability second, employment practice liability third. Um, there, what a, what a, would be number one then? Number one would be would be an exclusionless claim. If if a physician takes Medicare Medicaid, um, and in fact, if you fill out your Medicaid applications, there are two questions on there. One of them says, one of them, and you and you have to warrant. I mean, you have to sign each after each question. You have to sign and warrant that question is true to the best of your knowledge. Well, the two questions that they ask on Medicaid is, do you have a compliance plan? And they're talking about billing compliance. And do you, do you check the exclusion list? Well, the exclusion list is the checks and balances for everybody that takes Medicare and Medicaid, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and TRICARE. You're, there's 38 state and two federal. You're supposed to be able to prove you've checked each one of those um, uh, lists monthly uh, or you're in violation of, of your agreement of what's required to take, to be qualified to take uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and TRICARE. Uh, we recently had a situation with a client, and this is why I say it's the biggest risk, because it, they can, it's, it, they, the, the exclusion list and, and the way that law that surrounds that, it's administrative law with, with, uh, within CMS, um, they can come back against physicians uh, and recoup what that doctor owes if they determine they do not qualify to take Medicare Medicaid. We had that happen. Uh, we had a doctor that had an addiction problem in 2010. Um, he went. He went to treatment. He got cured or not cured. He he went to, through the the medical board uh, program called Caduceus. Didn't lose his license. In 2019, CMS came back and and recouped everything that doctor billed out. 
from 2010 to 2015. Um, this particular coverage, it's called MedDefense, that, that, protect, that can protect the practice, it will provide defense costs, it will provide the um, 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 not only actuarial, but um, uh, mathematical uh, um, um, resources to be able to go back and challenge the algorithms that CMS may come up with or that the payers may come up with to extrapolate against a statistical viable uh, sampling of your practice. Then they would extrapolate, say, you overcharged on, on these CPT codes. We're going to extrapolate that to your entire practice uh, and get, send you a bill for a million dollars. It helps fight that. Uh, it helps. It helps also. It, it will defend you up until the point that you get indicted. I mean, the reality is every doctor that was indicted by the uh, by Forest Park, their carriers should have paid them uh, up to a hundred thousand dollars worth of defense costs that was that was included within each policy malpractice policy those doctors had. So it, it's extremely broad coverage. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's something that, that we have seen, we have not seen many, many, very many practices at all uh, that, that, are, that would be able to weather an investigation with regard to how the billing compliance side of things. Let's, let's take a, maybe a little bit of a, a broader step out and yeah. talk a little bit about uh, just commercial business insurance. Why would a medical practice look at having commercial business insurance and, and what kind of coverages does that offer? Most practices, uh, it's called a business, it's a business owner's policy or a BOP policy, BOP. Uh, it combines property, your contents, uh, everything within your practice, and the, and the premises liability. The reason why a physician would have to have this coverage is anytime you sign a lease, you're required to have uh, premises liability insurance. And in fact, a lot of the payers are now also requiring that you carry or you prove you have on top of malpractice insurance, general liability insurance or premises liability insurance. Um, the good news is you can also include your computers, you can include um, if you have MRI or um, a CT or a, um, um, uh, a C-arm, anything on those lines, we can include that coverage under your business owner's policy. If you lease that coverage, you don't have you can you don't have to buy the insurance from the company you lease it from. We can include that coverage for you under the business owner's policy at a much cheaper rate. But we also can include uh, building insurance. Um, for for if the, if the physician owns either the building or a um, a condominium, uh, we can include coverage for all that under that one under that one coverage structure. Now, let's talk uh, on that policy. So we we've talked before. Obviously, my dad's an an insurance agent as well, and he's told me in the past his largest payout. He's a commercial uh, commercial and residential lines. Rider, he doesn't do malpractice or that kind of thing. But he said his largest payout, uh, out, even with houses burned down, with floods, he's in South Louisiana. His largest payout was actually a, a employee who tripped and fell and had a bookcase fall on her, and that ended up being a, a huge payout for the the business. Um, and that was covered under the the, the business policy. Was it, so. Was it so it wasn't workers' comp, but it was the, the business owner's policy? Yes, yes. 
Interesting. Uh, with, with those kinds of liabilities, though, for instance, if you have a patient that walks in the door, happens to trip and fall, where does that lie? Where, where is that coverage? Is this the business owners? Or are we looking at something else? Well, no, it, it's going to be the business owners, and it's a really good question. The reality, the reality for every medical practice is the coverage, the, the premises liability policy, and this is every carrier out there, and we've had a couple of these come in where it's, it's a slip and fall from the front door to the door going back to the patient area, patient, uh, the patient rooms. If it's a slip and fall there, then it's going to be covered by, by the premises liability. If you're walking down the hallway and they trip, it should also be covered. If you're in the exam room, they're not going to cover it. There's, a, there's, there's on the, and what ends up happening is there's a section of the general of the premises liability policy called medical payments. Medical payments are they when you when you use them, they do not you do not have to prove liability. It's there's either five or ten thousand dollars that if the patient falls, it's enough money to get them in an ambulance and get them to the hospital or the ER to get them treated. Um, Anything over those amounts, that, that patient would then have to sue the practice for any additional relief. But the five to ten thousand dollars should cover the the expenses surrounding just a simple slip and fall, where they have to go to the uh, the ER um, and get get fixed up or get a cast or whatever. Within that business uh, business policy, sometimes I've also seen business interruption insurance. What? What all does that cover? Because I think that's an important topic right now during COVID time. It is. It is. It is. And I, and I, will, I will note for that, because we've done, we've looked at that COVID very closely as far as pandemic insurance, and there has not been any available or any readily available in, in, in the commercial market. The only time that we've seen any kind of coverage for a pandemic like this, and the only, the only coverage that we've seen responding on this is event insurance like the Olympics? Uh, they had a coverage for that for 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 a pandemic. Um, a lot of people are pushing to see to get the the carriers to to cover business interruptions due to a covered cause of loss. Unfortunately, it's going to cover you if the business interruption section, if you have a fire, if you have a hurricane, if you have a uh, if you have a tornado. Um, something that's a covered cause of loss on the building insurance that 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 has to shut your your business down. It's going to cover both the extra expense of if you have glass breakage or you 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 have damage to your MRI and you have to have it drop shipped. Um, it's going to cover those extra expenses, but then it'll also cover the business interruption. Basically, what what they're looking at is what did you make last year. And what did you make this year? And that difference would be the business interruption that they would end up paying. One of the other um, one of the other coverages that I have, it, it, and it's actually part of disability, is business overhead coverage. Can you mm -hmm. maybe talk a little bit about that as well? In because that covers in addition to. Um, in addition to my disability, it, it'll cover office expenses. So. Maybe put that in light of who who needs to be looking at those kinds of coverages. Well, I would, I mean, given given the because we've talked a little bit. I got I'm a I'm a certified medical compliance officer. So when I got my credentials through Practice Management Institute, um, we 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 talked a lot about about the fact that and this was this was relative to a physician that may take Medicare Medicaid uh, if there was an issue with administrative law. 
the, the, the lawyer who was teaching the class said, every practice should have at least one month, if not two months in savings to cover any issues that may come up from if there, if, if in essence, if the siphon, if the, if the water pump gets shut off for whatever reasons or gets, gets cut, cut back, you got to be able to have enough money in the bank to be able to keep the practice going. That's, that's, that, that's really true with COVID, but that's, that's what business overhead insurance is. If a physician gets injured do, or gets, gets, gets sick or injured, like a disability policy, the overhead insurance is what's going to cover the expenses for that physician. Um, individual physicians, it's imperative but also in groups where you have where you have uh, different partners that may pay for different portions of the practice, that business overhead is, is critical because the other partners are paying for their part. If if one physician gets sick or gets injured, um, even with COVID nineteen, I think it's even more critical now because if someone gets sick and they're down for for a while, you know, you don't want to have the business lose your business because of it. Let's talk, uh, let's talk workers' comp, um, because that, in the state of Texas, you aren't actually required to have workers' comp, um, but, but I think it would probably be a really bad idea not to, so maybe you can kind of fill us in on some of the liability that that helps to cover. Absolutely. Workers' compensation is, it's, it's, it's a twofold. In the state of Texas, you can opt out of, out, out of the workers' comp system. The beauty of workers' comp is it gives you a complete solution for any claim against that employee may have. So if an employee uh, gets COVID, if an employee and they can they tie they tie it back to the practice, if they slip and fall, if they get a needle stick and get get and get injured somehow in the practice, a big one is if they're driving to get lunch or driving to go to the store or to the bank and they get in a car wreck, anything they're doing on the clock. The, the either the physician or whoever employs them is absolutely responsible for their actions or for, for their safety while they're on the job. If you have workers' comp, that employee cannot turn around and bring suit back against the employer. If the employer does not have workers' comp, technically what you're supposed to do is you, you, there's a form you're supposed to fill out with it and file it with the Secretary of State opting out of comp. When you opt out of comp, then you lose your statutory defenses, which are which are that again that 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 complete solution for that claim. You lose that, and that employee can then sue you directly for uh, employer's liability because of what happened on the job. And so it's the cost. The cost used to be extremely cheap because of COVID. The class code eighty eight thirty two, which is for physicians, the prices are, are going up some. So it's. It is, uh, if that, and that, if that tells you anything, that when the rates go up, it means they're paying more claims, um, and they're seeing a lot more claims activity within this area of, of insurance for physicians' offices. During, during that discussion, you mentioned physicians being responsible when uh, employees are on the clock and somebody running to get lunch. What happens if the employee gets in a wreck and uh, what liability is there to the person that the employee got in a wreck with? Well, we, we that's a great question because it's called uh, hired and unowned auto liability insurance. It's a, you can include, so within the business owner's policy, there's some additional coverages you can include. And we always recommend, in fact, I, we, 
we we actually have to have clients give us in writing they do not want the higher non-owned liability insurance because it's such a big it's so cheap to buy it's like five six hundred dollars a year and it gives it provides such a, lar- a large amount of coverage that we we want to make sure that, that anybody that does not does not buy it they they recognize that there's liability and that liability is back on them um, because it's it's if that employee's on the road and they're on the clock and they hit and kill somebody that the, the whoever that employer is they are responsible for their actions and they they will be absolutely 100% responsible for that death claim and that's where you see Jim Adler and the Texas Hammer and all those guys that's what they're going after and I will I will tell you I've had I've personally been involved in a claim when I'm on the clock and the numbers they they pay out is astronomical I mean it's it's just a fender bender the the plaintiff ended up getting a couple hundred thousand dollars out of it and so it's something that 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 it, it is it is very it's a critical component of any risk management program for a physician's office one of the other things that that i've seen discussed on message boards a lot and and i have one of the policies is a uh, is an umbrella liability policy can you kind of speak to what what those are what they cover and the differences between a, a personal li- umbrella liability and a business umbrella liability? That's a great question. And, and, and as far as um, um, personal liability, um, the, um, that's going to be on the homeowner side. Uh, and in fact, are we have, if there's ever any questions along those lines, um, I can put any physician in touch. We have a very robust homeowner side and, and um, high net worth individual for people that own over a million dollars worth of property. Um, there's, there's very specific um, um, programs that are available for them. Um, as far as the, the, the umbrella, your personal umbrella is going to extend the liability limit from what you have under your primary policy. It extends it up to whatever that limit you buy. On a commercial umbrella, what that, what that provides coverage for is there's three areas. It's premises liability, workers' compensation, and business auto liability insurance. And so it extends those limits that you currently have up to whatever the umbrella limit is. So if you have a million-dollar umbrella and you have a million-dollar underlying on your, on your business owner's policy, well, then you can then the, the workers' comp, the employer's liability, the um, general liability or premises liability, and the hiring on an auto liability of your business owner's policy all can have claims up to that $2 million limit. Um, you can also raise individual limits if you don't want to buy the whole thing. You can raise individual limits up um, to, to higher limits if you want to as well, kind of achieving the same goal. And when you're talking about costs on that, if you, you gave the example of the business policy having a million dollar limit and then an additional million dollar umbrella, are you talking about that umbrella being the same price as the business liability or are the umbrellas more or less expensive than the underlying coverage? It's going to be less, it's going to be less expensive because it's an excess policy and you don't, you don't, you don't see many claims on a premises liability or even a hiring on the auto liability piercing that initial, that, that underlying limit of a million, call it a million dollars. Um, so you're, you're, the, the pricing goes, goes way, way down on that. Um, but you're looking for an umbrella 
anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars, just depending. Now, I will say, my largest claim that I've that I've ever been involved with was a was a, a, a unfortunate, very sad situation that a lady got raped in a parking lot, and that parking lot, the building owner of that parking lot was hit for ten million dollars. Um, and so, I always recommend that if you have a, a straight prep business, a straight practice may not need, may not be as as have have as great of a need for an umbrella. It's going to depend on the risk tolerance of the of the of the physician or the practice. But if you own a building, we always recommend it because that parking lot is probably the biggest liability risk that you face. Whatever happens in that parking lot is going to be back on the business owner. So if the physician owns the building then we highly encourage an umbrella because it gives an additional limit of liability if something you know bad happens in the parking lot someone pulls up uh, you could have an active shooter you could have anything involving that those kind of things where the liability just goes off the charts um, so that's that's one of our one of our top recommendations well jim thanks for all of the information is there anything else any other takeaway or a policy or coverage i may have forgotten to mention that you think our physicians would be interested in well there, there is and it's something that a lot of doctors are having to do now just because of the the sign because of the times is if if a physician is is providing um is being a medical director or providing oversight for a nurse practitioner or physician assistant Whatever, at whatever entity, whether it's a med spa or, or a private, we're seeing a lot of nurse practitioner run practices where the physician provides oversight. There's only one carrier out there will provide the director, the, the medical directorship coverage that's needed to protect the physician. Because what ends up happening is you can't just get a, and include the medical directorship on a standalone basis or as part of the professional liability for let's say the med spa because it, it unless you unless you really ask and make sure it covers covers the physician for direct patient care because the malpractice claims that will come in as it would relate to medical directorship it's going to come in not as a medical suit against the medical director but a suit against the physician for their for for the the oversight of that direct patient care so it's a a lot of doctors are doing it now and they're not covered correctly because none of the malpractice carriers tmlt is the only carrier that will offer medical directorship coverage and will extend to if that if that um, physician is involved in the case of, of and is sued for direct patient care none of the other malpractice carriers will provide that coverage so you either have to go to a third party or you have to make sure that that nurse practitioner or physician assistant, uh, med spa, whatever it is, is providing that coverage. And that's, again, one of the things we do is help our clients drill down on that and make sure they're covered properly. Well, Jim, I really appreciate you joining us. You've been listening to Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world. We've been talking with Jim Patterson of Coverica about all of those insurance policies you didn't know you need, but you do. I'm Dr. DJ Verrett. Make it an awesome week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ask Me MD, medical school for the real world with Dr. DJ Verrett. If you have a question or an idea for a show, send us an email at questions at askmemdpodcast.com.